you know, to your point about stress, this is the perfect time for people to do like a meditation practice, right? Or to do something like yoga um, because it does help um, sort of regulate that stress response. And uh, that stress response in the end is um, that hormone cortisol. Uh, and we really don't want super high levels of cortisol when uh, we're trying to fight an infection. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there. Welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. Today's interview is with Dr. Heather Moody. The episode is in response to a lot of feedback I got around how uncertain people were feeling in this time with the coronavirus pandemic at large. You know, a lot of people mentioning that they did not really understand exactly what the coronavirus was and how we could do something to support ourselves, to keep ourselves healthy, well, and to keep our community safe, healthy, and well. Hence, we have Dr. Heather Moody here with us today because she's the perfect person to answer these questions. Heather is a board-certified physician and wellness entrepreneur. She is a specialist in allergies and immunology and is also trained in both functional and integrative medicine. She runs the Moody Center for Functional and Integrative Medicine in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The focus of her programs are on natural treatments, lifestyle, and behavior changes. Her special interests are in brain health, stress reduction, mood and fatigue issues, immunity, and gut health. She directs comprehensive programs that include advanced biochemical testing, health coaching, and nutrition coaching. In her free time, she loves to trail run, do yoga, and cook plant-based meals in addition to spending time with her four rescue cats and dogs. And here today, she will share all about what the coronavirus actually is, how it works, what are the symptoms of it, and what can you do? You know, what lifestyle changes could you make? What supplementations could you take? As well as what we can do as a community to keep each other safe. And the spoiler alert on that is, of course, practicing physical distancing. All right, without further ado, here's Heather. Welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing, Heather. I am delighted to have you here today and, you know, particularly in this session, in this crazy time of the corona, um, the coronavirus. Thank you, Caitlin. Thanks for getting up so early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for, like I said, making time on very short notice to have this conversation. So I guess just to get things started, Heather, would you mind sharing with the audience, with the listeners, a little bit about who you are and what has brought you, you know, to the work that you're doing today? So I'm a conventionally trained medical doctor um, here in the U.S. And um, so basically what that means is, you know, I went to traditional medical school and I did a, a postgraduate training in internal medicine. And then I did a specialty in allergy and immunology, because I was always really fascinated with the immune system, you know, what makes, what, you know, how it goes wrong, how it can cause allergies, how it can cause immune dysfunction, et cetera. 
Um, and I ended up um, working in a private clinic where basically we took care of people who had a lot of respiratory illnesses, so a lot of asthma, which is really common here in the United States, um, and a lot of food allergies and skin allergies and things like that. Um, and uh, also people who had some immune deficiencies. So, you know, and I did that for a few years, but what I realized as I was working in this clinic is that, you know, our treatments were just basically um, giving people medication to try to cover up their symptoms, um, you know, and they would be on these things for life. And we never really uh, addressed any of the underlying reasons as to perhaps why someone was, you know, developing allergies, even as an adult, like why were they all of a sudden becoming allergic to shellfish or peanuts, or why were they developing eczema or adult onset asthma, or, you know, um, why were people coming in with chronic sinus infections and they could never clear them? And um, so I started to just get curious asking them about, you know, other things like what do they eat and how do they sleep and what their stress like? And um, these just were not things that were ever um, addressed. Um, and I don't think anybody I worked with, any other doctors in the practice really cared <laughs> because I think they were like, why are you, why are you asking these questions? What does it matter? Um, and so I just got really um, sort of frustrated and, and quite honestly, a little bored because I, I felt like I really wasn't using my, um, my brain and all my intellect and everything that I'd learned about the immune system. And so I sort of stumbled upon, um, functional medicine and integrative medicine um, as I was looking around really just to expand my knowledge. And this was probably back in around 2008. Um, so quite a while ago. And I, I went to a conference in New York and I remember that was the first time I had seen some of the, um, you know, sort of the big wigs in functional and integrative medicine. And, you know, I was sort of really blown away and I thought, wow, this is, this is exactly what I want to do. Like, this is my tribe. They're, all excited about research and they're all excited about like lifestyle and they're really trying to get to the the heart and the root of of why you know people are so sick because people are really sick um so i really started on this it was like a it was like a secret thing that i had that i was sneaking off to conferences and um i actually even did like a, a fellowship while i was working full-time and i didn't even tell my employer didn't tell anybody really uh that i did that and um I, I uh, did an integrative medicine fellowship in Arizona and then started doing all my functional medicine training, flying off on the weekends. And, um, and you know, really after a few years, I just realized that I couldn't practice the way that I was normally practicing and I really had to switch over. Um, and uh, so that's what I did. And I, I started my practice um, a little over five and a half years ago. So. Do you want to just quickly yeah. share a little bit where your practice is, what it is, just so people know where to find you too, which that'll be um, in the intro too, but just to give them an sure, outline. Yeah. So I'm based in Philadelphia, which is in the state of Pennsylvania. So the East coast um, of uh, the U.S. and pretty big, pretty big, busy city, um, sort of smacked, smack dab between Washington, D.C. and New York city. So um, yeah, so I've been here actually for about, gosh, almost 18 years, but I started my practice um, here. And um, you can, it's basically my name. It's called the Mode Center for Integrative and Functional Medicine. And we're just themodaycenter.com. And then I also am on Instagram as the Immunity MD. Um, and so we post a lot there, um, try to give people 
just a lot of information about uh, immune system health and how it affects a lot of other disease states and symptoms and you know what people can do to sort of you know just really improve their the function of their immune system overall and this is actually where where I first connected with you was I have been following your Instagram account and really enjoying a lot of the wisdom that you share there, Heather. And I was wondering because it was a coronavirus post that captured me one day. I was like, well, I have to, I have to talk to her. I have to talk to her. So maybe just to start down that track, would you mind sharing for us a little bit about what coronavirus is? You know, what is a virus? How does it spread? How does it work? Yeah, well, I mean, viruses are, you know, they are, uh, we always say that viruses are not alive until they find a host, and that's true. Um, there are these very tiny structures, they're either made up of just DNA and, or RNA, so this is like their genetic material, um, and they can have a little coating, like coronavirus has, um, they'll often refer to it as like a lipid coating, which basically means like a fatty coating. Um, it's an RNA virus. Um, so what viruses do is they um, they get into they usually obviously come into the body through uh, the respiratory tract or the mouth um, um, or swallowed right and they um, in order for them to actually survive they're almost like parasites in a way but not really what they do is they invade a host a cell and they take over the machinery of it. So they literally go in and like take over the machinery of the cell and then they just pump out little clones of themselves. So these little viral um, viral particles and those will, you know, go on and infect more and more and more cells. So, um, you know, so that's sort of the basics of viruses in general. And, and you know, there's so many different kinds of viruses and they all act really differently. Um, but this, but coronaviruses, and you know, I'm not a virologist, so there's probably someone who could t talk about this a little bit better, but um, it's basically a group of viruses. Um, uh, like I said, they're, they're uh, what are called RNA viruses, single-stranded, and they actually can be found in humans and animals. And um, you know, they've been around, obviously, for millennia, but I think they sort of came to us in the news. Probably the biggest thing is if you recall back probably in the early 2000s, I believe, the first sort of big outbreak we saw was something that was called SARS. We just referred to it as SARS. Um, and uh, that was in Asia. Um, and since that time, uh, we've had uh, a couple of other breakouts of uh, these coronaviruses. And um, they call it SARS because it means severe acute respiratory syndrome. And they're all caused by these coronaviruses. That there was H1N1, which was in I think 2008, 2009. Um, there was one in the Middle East that was quite severe. Um, that was called MERS. Um, but this one uh, is also a SARS virus. But they're just calling it. They call it COVID-19, uh, basically because it came about in 2019 is when it first you know was seen. Um, but yeah, so this, this particular virus, um, one of the concerns about it is that um, it seems to be highly um, contagious. Um, I don't know if they theorize it might be because it, um, it can stay in asymptomatic, so it doesn't make people sick very quickly. And so it can actually, it has a very long incubation time. So if you think about it, a longer incubation time um, and some people say it may even be up to 21 days. I know standard, they say 14. 
but you just so people around. maybe don't um, know the word. So asymptomatic means that you wouldn't, you wouldn't f- feel sick or appear sick to anyone. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like okay. really none at all. I mean, you know, you might have a sore throat or, or really even nothing. And you could be basically, uh, you know, shedding virus every time you cough or sneeze, or even just get saliva on your hand. Um, and these viruses can survive on surfaces for several days. Um, so that's why, you know, we're very concerned about people wiping things down. Um, and so, you know, you can infect you know, several people, if you have it, you can infect several people within a day or two, and then those people can then infect other people. So it's, it's, it's highly contagious. Um, so that's one of the big concerns. The other concern is that um, um, SARS seems to um, be, can cause some pretty severe disease in certain populations. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, so there's, you know, some, depending on the country and depending on the, the population, it's probably somewhere between a one and 3% um, fatality rate. So of the people that are getting it that are dying. Um, and so, you know, that's obviously extremely concerning um, now that it's spreading so much. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned um, the sore throat and I guess what I keep hearing about is, is a common fever. What are some of the common signs of um, the coronavirus. Yeah, so you know, um, fever is a big one. Um, I think that's probably the one that's going to signal is uh, you know can sort of uh, differentiate between say like cold or an allergy. So generally, when you get like a cold from a regular old cold virus, you generally don't have a lot of fever, right? You get you know a sore throat, congestion, runny nose, that kind of thing. Um, with coronavirus, you get, you do get sore throat. You don't get a lot of like congestion, nasal congestion. It's more of like those flu-like symptoms, the body aches. Um, profound fatigue is what I have read is that, um, that's a real hallmark. Um, so people feel just completely, completely exhausted. Uh, and they have, um, can spike pretty high fevers. Um, so I think those are very classic. Um, and people tend to stay ill for quite a while. Um, it seems that even with sort of moderate um, infections that people are sick for 10 to 14 days, they just feel really exhausted and sort of down and out. So, um, so yeah, it's not a, it doesn't sound like it's a really easy thing to go through. Okay. And so that, that might be some of the concern is that it is so impactful and that's in what you described as a moderate case. And I imagine in a severe case, that's where we see the hospital admissions increase. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to delineate these different levels, like mild, moderate, severe, and then like particularly severe, um, you know, because obviously they're telling people to stay at home, you know, even if you have high fever and cough, and really only to reach out for um, medical attention if you start developing shortness of breath. Um, because at this point, at least, you know, definitely here in the United States and definitely in Italy and, and a lot of these other places, um, you know, they only have capacity for people who need supportive care, who need IV support or oxygen or, you know, eventually some sort of respir- you know, uh, respirator, 
uh, and things like that. So they don't, even if you feel pretty awful, uh, they don't want you coming to, to the hospital. Well, that's actually a really important point to know because I suppose, you know, if we're not used to feeling so awful, it can mm-hmm. be a pretty scary experience in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So what, what can we be doing, you know, I guess if we are unwell, but maybe to prevent our likelihood of getting unwell? Well, I mean, number one is, well, first of all, we don't know 100%, um, you know, why some people get really sick and others don't. I mean, in the beginning, uh, everyone sort of said, okay, this doesn't seem to get children sick and young adults are probably okay. And this is particularly bad for people with, um, you know, underlying conditions um, and people who are elderly, say like, I mean, even over 65, let's just say 65, 70. And that is true, is that people over, um, people in the elderly community are definitely more at risk of having um, not a great immune response. And that has to do with the fact that our immune system does get, um, uh, I'm going to say weaker, it's probably not a great word, but it's not as uh, responsive or reactive as we get older for different reasons. Uh, And yes, most, a lot of older adults may have, say, heart disease or diabetes or something that might complicate uh, the issue. But the problem is, is I think, and, you know, I know that this was the case here and also probably in Australia is that um, there's a lot of people who are 30 and 35 and 40 um, who are getting sick and actually dying as well. Um, so I know in New York City, the statistic today said that 50% of the people who actually have coronavirus are under the age of 45. So, um, so it's not like you know, you're protected from getting it. Um, And then the other thing is a lot of times we don't know if we have an underlying condition, right? Many of us go through life and just assume that we're healthy until we're not. Um, And so there may be some, uh, some issues that people are dealing with that they may not know. So I think there has to be like this blanket policy that everyone should take the same sort of, um, you know, be, be as careful as everyone else and not feel that they're off the hook. Um, so I think that's super important in terms of, you know, in terms of what you can do, like not to get it, I think just pretty common sense, the things that have been, um, sort of bandied around by most countries and most governments and, uh, here in the U S the CDC centers for disease control. Um, and that's the social distancing, um, six feet because respiratory droplets can actually travel a long way. Um, uh, now we're in sort of a shut lockdown, shutdown. So a lot of, a lot of, you know, all restaurants have been closed, all bars have been closed, um, all retail, anything that's not actually essential has been closed um, to decrease transmission. And then, you know, use of uh, things like bleach and alcohol and other things to wipe down surfaces, wash hands. So all of those things, right? That that's like the absolute most important thing. Um, and then I would say second tier is, um, you know, making sure that one has um, sort of an, a, an appropriate first line of defense. Um, and so, you know, in our immune system, we have, although it's extremely complex, we have what's called an innate immune response. Um, and an innate immune response is like the first line of response. Let's just say like a 
um, a virus, you know, gets into your nose, um, this is to say it's a cold virus, and um, it doesn't mean you're going to get sick because we have certain cells, so things that are called natural killer cells, that they can actually identify uh, virally infected cells and kill them. Um, and they, you know, they sort of signal to other um, cells these things called macrophages. Um, they create these uh, what are called cytokines, which are like these chemicals that can um, recruit other cells and can actually kill um, the virally infected cell before it starts to spread throughout the body. And so you've basically like, you know, they've done the work before it's really spread and then you never get sick. Okay. So that's the innate immune system. And I would say for that, there are some things that actually you can, um, that you can do. Um, number one is, um, and I, I, I think I put this in one of my videos I talked about, um, uh, is sleep, right? So um, when we sleep, we actually have um, our strongest immune responses. Um, and that has to do with um, hormones that, we, that secrete when we sleep. So melatonin, which is sort of like our nighttime sleep hormone, um, that when melatonin is high, um, we actually secrete a lot of ant, like uh, pro and what we call pro-inflammatory chemicals. So it actually helps our immune system kill things. Um, so sleep is really, really crucial. Um, so never skimp on sleep when you're sick or you think something's going around because uh, you'll be much more likely to actually get it. Um, the other thing is I mentioned, I did a whole um, video on alcohol and how um, you know, excess alcohol actually really weakens a lot of our barriers. So our intestinal barrier and our GI barrier, which is one of the things, one of the ways we can actually get um, viruses. Um, it also does um, decrease the effectiveness of those natural killer cells and other immune uh, cells in the body. So, um, so that's two things right there. Um, those are really good things, I guess, just in terms of I'm thinking when people are stressed and anxious, which is what yeah. a lot of us would be experiencing right now when we're stressed, mm -hmm. our sleep often suffers significantly. You know, mm -hmm. our, our, our good sleep hygiene often goes out the door. Um, mm -hmm. And also we, we tend to drink, you know, I hear that they have like limes you know, mm -hmm. for bottles at points the same way they have it for toilet paper. So I think these yeah. are two really important things to keep in mind that sometimes our coping mechanisms oh, absolutely. are not mm -hmm. so helpful. And alcohol and sleep go hand in hand, don't they? Like if you're drinking, yeah. your sleep quality decreases if I've got that right. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely impairs your, your sleep cycle. Um, and people tend to wake up frequently. Um, they wake up early. A lot of that has to do with blood sugar regulation um, because when we drink a lot of alcohol, it actually really spikes our blood sugar, um, but then it drops in the middle of the night and uh, we have a little bit of a stress response. We have like a cortisol surge, a, a, you know, a stress hormone surge in the middle of the night or maybe like two, three o'clock in the morning. And um, that's the cause of like, you know, oh, I had too much to drink last night and I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and my head is like, you know, I'm, I feel nervous or anxious or I just can't get back to sleep. And um, uh, that's actually a stress response. It's a blood sugar response. Um, so yeah, so that's not ideal. Um, mm -hmm. And um, you know, to your point about stress, this is the perfect time for people to do like a meditation practice, right? Or mm -hmm. to do something like yoga um, because it does help um, sort of regulate that stress response. And 
that stress response in the end is um, that hormone cortisol. Uh, and we really don't want super high levels of cortisol when uh, we're trying to fight an infection. Okay. Yeah. So finding ways to manage that stress is going to be really helpful, probably just in terms of us feeling like we're, you know, I know you're going to give us a few more tips, but like we're able to do something, but mm-hmm. also it'll manage the cortisone, which will affect our immune system as well. And maybe, you know, the research I've seen around like mindfulness and yoga, they're all really highly correlated with sleep, you know, I guess quicker mm-hmm. onset. So that's interesting overlaps. Yeah. And it's been really great because I know a lot of organizations, a lot of companies that are like these meditation online companies are offering these free, they're doing all sorts of free offerings and, and free meditations. Um, You know, if you search around on the internet and on um, Instagram, you see um, a lot of people are coming together and doing like these meditations sort of like offerings that everybody can join in. Um, And I think that's really cool because, you know, it is true that we tend to feel very isolated when we are under this sort of like self, I don't want to call it quarantine, but you know, this social isolation, especially if you live by yourself, you know, um, and you don't have that outlet and it's very anxiety producing. It's, it causes a lot of loneliness. And so even doing like a group meditation online, I think is really, really cool. And, and I know that a lot of individuals and companies have come together and they've made those offerings. And I think that's, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. So listeners find, find something like that, even something that some perhaps local to you, you know, have the connections if there are already connections you have yeah. in your community, you know, different, I know yoga studios are doing meditations around oh, here because they've all moved to zoom. So mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. almost all of our yoga studios now are all streaming their classes and having great, you know, discounts and it's it's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the other things that I would say that um on a more sort of cellular level um and this would be more like nutrients or supplements um and I always tell people like this is not going to um you can't just do this and not do all the other stuff, right? Um but these are things that would be helpful um for if we think about like improving that innate immune response, um, but also um, decreasing um, uh, sort of the damage to cells, right? So one thing that viruses do, well, the thing that they do is they go inside, um, they go inside cells and um, they take them over and then it sounds terrible, but they, um, in order like for our immune system to, um, to get rid of the cell, they have to actually kill it. Um, and so there tends to be a lot of like tissue damage. Um, and this is where we're seeing the issue in the, the lungs in these very, very severe cases. So um, a couple of things that you can think about are antioxidants and antioxidants are basically substances, um, a lot of different vitamins that can sort of counter that um, damage. So that free, that free radical damage. So it can help um, cell membranes sort of, um, heal themselves or withstand that damage. Um, And the nice thing about that too, is that it doesn't, um, the less damage you have, the less likely you're going to, you're going to trigger more and more and more immune activation, which is what really gets people in trouble uh, in the end when they have these very severe cases of, of, of the COVID. Um, So antioxidants would be things like um, vitamin D, 
like our sunshine vitamin, vitamin A. Um, those are two big ones. And of course, vitamin C. So those are like three, you know, super, super important things. Um, other things that can help that are a little bit more, I would say, um, unusual or esoteric, but these are things that can also really support our innate immune response. Um, a lot of these are mushrooms, and um, I'm a big fan of medicinal mushrooms. I actually just did a mushroom podcast last week, and we talked about this. We talked about COVID-19 and, and, uh, and mushrooms, and actually, if you go on my Instagram, you can, I think it's like I posted about it maybe like two posts ago. Um, but there are a couple of different medicinal mushrooms that are really super awesome in terms of um, improving the cells that are involved in that innate immune response. And they're known to be very good antivirals. And um, two of them are reishi, which is a really important uh, one, um, shiitake, and then something called maitake mushrooms. And um, so you can get those in extracts and pills and things. Um, you can also eat um, maitake mushrooms. Um, and then other things um, are two herbs that are found more in like, I would say the Chinese um, uh, pharmacopoeia or herbal Chinese medicines. And one is astragalus. Uh, and then the other one is, is probably the least known, but it's one that I really love and it's called andrographis. Uh, andrographis. And um, you'll often see that in certain sort of immune um, uh, you know, sort of uh, mixtures of herbs or in certain tinctures. And so that's one to look for as well. Okay. I will, I will make sure that I get the spelling from you for these and have them in the show notes so that listeners sure, can, yeah. can um, make sure they look it up. So it was the antioxidants that you, um, you know, that you highlighted were the vitamin D, vitamin A and vitamin C. Mm -hmm. um, and then the antiviral mushrooms being the reishi, the shiitake and the maitake mm -hmm. and the herbs being astragalus and andrographis yeah andrographis beautiful so actually there is a there's a company called pure encapsulations which i i'm pretty sure that you can get in australia um it's been selling like wildfire here so you, i don't know <laughs> we can, <laughs> but, we can um, put it in the show notes and see if it's like our like our toilet paper all sold out <laughs> i know so pure encapsulations actually makes um um a product called uh, innate immune. So it focuses on the innate immune response. And so it has those particular things in it. Um, so that's, um, I would say that's a really good one. Um, they also have another one called TH1 support, which is also, um, uh, that's also an immune um, uh, support for the second part of our immune system, which is um, called the um, adaptive immune response. Um, and TH1 support has some other really important um, uh, necessary nutrients in it um, that can be helpful for, um, for just improving our cellular response to viruses and even bacteria. So with the adaptive immune response, how do we, how do we improve that? <laughs> so, um, you know, basically sort of the same way. Um, okay. The the other thing is also you want to make sure that your gut is really healthy. Um, I think I talked about this in my post uh, that I put up yesterday. Um, many of us sort of ignore our gut health when it comes to immunity, but 
that's the exact opposite of what should, we should be doing because um, uh, seventy percent of our immune cells are actually um, in this area uh, just located right next to our intestinal tract, and it's called the GALT, the gut-associated lymphoid tissue. Um, of course, we have you know white blood cells circulating around, and we have them in our lymph nodes and things like that. But the bulk of our immune system is actually right down near our gut. Um, and so if we do not have a healthy barrier, so again, if we're really stressed out, we're drinking lots of alcohol, we're taking lots of medications that weaken our gut lining, um, we're going to tend to have an immune system that's already a little inflamed and not in a good way. Um, so uh, in a way, it's going to weaken our immune response when we need it. Um, so um, I always advocate um, you know, making sure that you take a really good probiotic um, that you try to eat a lot of fiber and have a lot of uh, fermented foods. So those are natural, you know, uh, fermented foods like sauerkraut and kimchi and kefir, which is a fermented dairy product. Um, because then you're going to be getting the natural um, uh, protective bacteria. And that can be really, really helpful in terms of um, supporting our immune response and actually improving that what we call an adaptive immune response. Beautiful. So a good probiotic, fiber, and fermented foods to sort of support the adaptive immune response and um, enhance the gut bacterium. Or the good yeah, ba gut bacteria, pardon me. Yeah, the good gut bacteria is so important um, for so many different things, but definitely immunity. Um, people who have um, what we call dysbiosis, which is basically just means imbalanced um, gut uh, microbes, and that could be you know, bacteria, virus, yeast, whatever. But uh, when we have an imbalanced gut microbiome and we don't have some of the good um, healthy bacteria and maybe we've got uh, some less healthy bacteria there, um, we tend to have more inflammation. We tend to have more tendency towards autoimmune disease. Uh, we tend to have more issues with frequent infections. So you know, that's a sort of a, I would say an easy thing to do because um, you can do it through your diet. You don't have to take a lot of fancy things except for maybe some probiotics, but you can do a lot just with your diet. So it sounds like there's a number of areas that we have some control, you know, as we're kind of making our way through this unsettling, uncertain period, there are certain things that we can be doing. Like we can be mindful of making sure we prioritize our sleep, that we practice good sleep hygiene, that we are not drinking excessive alcohol. We can be, you know, engaging in things like maybe meditation or yoga or, you know, physical exercise, those things that helps reduce our stress levels and yeah. help improve our sleep as well. Yeah, we can absolutely. be taking different nutrients and supplements as well as being mindful of our diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think those are all these are all great things. I mean, those are things we should be doing all the time, right? But um, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we need a bit of a push, don't we? <laughs> well, I think I think it is true. It's a wake up call, and I think it's sort of a scary wake up call. You know, especially when, like I said, I was referring to these young people. Um, and I, I mean, I consider myself young, even though I'm not. <laughs> I'm sort of in the age between. I'm in the bracket between, right? Um, but it is a little scary. I think when I first heard about, you know. Um, COVID-19 coming out, I'm thinking, oh, well, I, you know, whatever, I'm super healthy and I, you know, I don't really have any known chronic diseases and 
Um, but then, you know, I started hearing things about you know, people dying in their 38 or their 42, and they didn't really have any underlying issues. And, you know, again, we don't know that because a lot of people don't know what's going on in their bodies. But it does, it is concerning because we don't know everything about this virus. And, you know, we don't know necessarily how our immune system is going to react. I mean, we hope that it has a, a, a swift, um, you know, um, sort of a, a swift attack and gets it under control before it can invade a lot of tissues um, because that's, you know, apparently when we um, get into trouble with this sort of massive um, immune response in, uh, uh, in the lungs, which causes pneumonia and then, you know, this respiratory, um, it's called acute respiratory distress syndrome. Um, and of course, that's a small amount of people, but it is, it's worrisome sometimes. And so for me, it was a wake up call too. I thought, you know, I can't be cavalier about this. You know, I need to prioritize my sleep. I need to make sure I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I took the social distancing very, very seriously um, because, you know, you can't just have that, that feeling of I'm going to be okay. So I'm going to be um, not careful about this. And then the other thing is that I could, I could be, you know, without symptoms and spreading it to someone who is immune compromised, who is at a greater risk. And, you know, the whole point of this social distancing is, is like, it's not fun, right? It's definitely not what anybody wants to do. It's very disruptive financially and socially. Um, but if you think of it as like what you're doing for the rest of the world and your neighbors and friends and family, it's, it's just something that you do, you know? Yeah, there's a real um, ethical responsibility around it, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, people have compared it to wartime, and I think that's sort of true. It's like, you know, you just, people went to work in factories and they gave up, you know, using products that they loved because they needed, you know, they needed the materials to go towards the war effort and they started having gardens, um, which I think is really cool. There's been this huge uptick in people um, starting their own gardens in their backyards, almost like the victory gardens that they had in World War II. Um, there's been a huge uptick in like seed companies getting orders for seeds, which I think is really yeah, sort of beautiful. Cool. It's a really sort of nice way to, plus it's a way to get outside, right? It's turning, um, so where we are right now, we're just coming into our spring um, in the, you know, it's almost April, so it can be slightly chilly, but um, we're, you know, the flowers are coming out and the trees are blooming. And so this is the perfect time for people to get out in the dirt and, you know, start planting. So. Well, that's probably a nice way of getting out and taking care of oneself as well as maybe, maybe that's something we could add to our list, finding unique ways to get out, you know, maintaining the yeah. social distancing, but finding ways to get outside and get that vitamin D naturally as well. Yeah. And I think that's, that is true because you can't stay inside all day long. You have to get outside. And so that's a perfect, that's a perfect way to, to do it. I mean, gardening is very therapeutic. It's very calming. And um, if you can do it, even if you have a little plot of land or even if you have just a Alchemy. patio, you can, yeah, you can plant some you know, things in pots and you yeah. know, watch it grow. So. You know, people can connect with you. We talked about via the Mooney Center as well as on Instagram. You know, when we were talking before, you mentioned that hopefully in the future you might have a few online courses up for people. Like, yeah, yeah. is there any, any other way that we can reach out and, and, you know, soak up more of your wisdom? Yeah, I mean, that's the best way is through the Instagram account. I mean, we have a Facebook account too, and sometimes we'll post there. Um, uh, we're probably more um, 
social on Instagram, but yeah, we should have some um, upcoming um, offerings that, uh, you know, I'm using a lot of this time to be very productive to um, create some online programs, which I've been wanting to do for a while, but this just gives me a little bit more time. Uh, and um, so they're going to be focused on, um, you know, definitely some immunity, but I have a, a big interest uh, between, um, you know, our immune system and inflammation in general and how it affects our brain and our energy. So, um, so that's one of my big interests. So um, uh, we're going to be launching sort of like a better brain program for people who, you know, just fight with brain fog and anxiety and fatigue and um, really sort of want to improve their health in that regard. And it's going to be really focused on improving um, inflammation through gut health and, um, you know, uh, nutrition and habits. And that's something that we can do online. So um, hopefully I'll have that up soon. It's going to have, you know, group coaching with me and uh, it's going to be, I think it'll be really great. That sounds amazing and um yeah. and quite timely. So how yeah, yeah, how interesting absolutely. that you have the time to work on it now, but probably something we're all more aware of than than we might have been been prior. So I'll put the links to all of this in the show notes. And when that program is up, just let me know and we'll add it. So listeners can absolutely. can keep checking back. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Heather. It was a wonderful conversation and I know I learned a lot. So thank you for taking the time to educate me. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. It's great to, um, I was saying today, it's so great to meet people from all over the world. And that's what one of the things I absolutely love about my job now is I get to talk to people who are interested in health and wellness just everywhere. And I just think it's so cool. It's just such a great community. So um, yeah, I welcome the invitation. It's great to meet you. Yeah, absolute pleasure. And so thank you very much for myself and all of the listeners and we're wishing you well. Well, I hope that you found that interview as informative as I did. I think it's really helpful to understand what exactly the coronavirus is, how it works, because then we better know how we can keep ourselves and our communities well. I think it's also really important to note that there are things that we can be doing, you know, obviously practicing physical distancing, washing our hands regularly, not touching our faces, but also, you know, monitoring our sleep, making sure we're getting enough sleep, making sure that we are putting things into our body that are going to be healthful and helpful. So please reach out and connect with Dr. Heather Moody on Facebook at Moody Center and on Instagram at The Immunity MD. I'll be putting the links to her social media account in the show notes as well as her webpage, themoodycenter.com. In addition to writing down the fancy names of the mushrooms, the herbs, and all of the supplementations that Dr. Moody recommended here today. So head to the show notes at wisdomforwellbeingpodcast.com. I'm wishing you and yours well. Please stay safe. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. 
Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.